Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. I love being, I love being with the C3 family here this morning. And uh, like Pastor Nate said, yeah, there's almost 100 churches around Australia, uh, part of the C3 family. And so it's an absolute privilege to be with you here this morning. My wife and I, Megan, and we've got three girls, aged 12, 10, and 6, Last year, we, uh, our 10 years was up uh, in Darwin, so we took long service leave because before that, we'd been the assistant pastors in Sydney at one of our C3 churches in Sydney, in Darlinghurst, which Darlinghurst is a very long way from Darwin, I can tell you, especially this weekend. So anyway, so we were, we were there for nine years, but, and we went straight from nine years there to 10 years in Darwin, 19 years straight. I said, that's it, I'm taking long service leave. We're having a holiday. We took three months. We did a half lap of Australia with our, with our camper trailer and I tell you, we just, we enjoyed uh, Western Australia, we did that half, that half, around WA coast, across the Nullarbor, back up the middle, up through the Red Centre, back to Darwin, which has become home for us and we love Darwin. If you ever get a chance to come and visit, give us a wave if you've ever been to Darwin here. Dead set, that's like most of the people. Okay, well, there you go. I don't really need to talk much about Darwin then, do I? You, you already know. So, uh, well, that's huge. That was a huge... I don't never get that many hands anywhere else. That's amazing. Must be some sort of connection between Newcastle. Oh, it probably is the RAF, right? How many of those hands is RAF connected? Okay, no, I'm doing really well. That was one hand. Okay. Maybe I'll just leave that alone, right? But one thing we do have in common is we baptise people. I liked your baptism uh, announcement there in the, in the C3 News or whatever you call it. Uh, baptising the lake, that's cool. We can't really do that in Darwin. <laughs> we, do, we do most of our baptisms in a little blow-up kids' pool, which for obvious reasons. Although, funnily enough, just a few weeks ago, we had an Indigenous family in the church um, who have just... Um, made a decision to follow Jesus and come to God, join the church. And, and the father, he said, can you baptise our whole family? I'm like, absolutely. Next baptism dates are such and such. He's like, actually, could you do it in the creek? And I'm like, uh, yeah, which creek? And, and he's, he says the name of the creek. And I'm like, okay, whereabouts in the creek? Because I know there's a croc trap in that creek. And he says, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's all right. We've got, a, we've got a little swimming hole that we've been swimming in for generations. And we're going to, I'll take you, I'll show you where it is. And so I took my six-year-old daughter with me. She, she came with me. I baptised this whole family. I made sure she sat on the, on the bank <laughs> because I'm like, we're we getting in there. I'm like, are you sure there's no crocs here? And he's like, no, no, they, they, they only come as far as, you know, two corners up. I'm like, two corners up, like 100 metres. Are you sure? Like, that's pretty close. And uh, true story. So anyway, we got in there, didn't get eaten by a crocodile and had a beautiful moment baptising uh, this local Indigenous family who are from that area for thousands of years. And so uh, it's, it's phenomenal. So, And I found a new cool swimming spot as well, which is, which is wonderful. All right, I, I've, uh, I feel like I've got a word from the Lord for this church collectively this morning, but also for you individually. And so I'm hoping that my praying that many of you this morning, you're going to uh, feel like God's whispering something. I love what, how you said about the whisper of God. There is the, one of the most important ways that the Lord speaks to us is through the whisper 
in the, the still small voice in our heart. And I pray that God will whisper to you this morning. Some of you, uh, maybe he's just going to have to grab your hold by the, of the shoulders and give you a bit of a shake. And that's all right as well. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing towards the end of his life. And if you know much about the Apostle Paul, he's kind of like the original church planter, pioneer, spread the gospel uh, in that first generation uh, since Jesus rose from the dead, took the gospel all over the known world and planted churches, wrote half the New Testament. And if ever there was a guy who you could think, man, I've, I've done it all. You know, I'm pretty happy with my my track record, pretty happy with my achievements, pretty happy with what I've done for the Lord, it would be him. And, and there's no one else that's come close to what he's done ever since. And he writes these words. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. The title of my message today is called Pressing On. I press on. So take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm just going to pause there for a moment. Paul has this conviction that Christ Jesus took hold of his life for a purpose. It's great that a lot of people think that Christianity is kind of like, well, I'll I'll make my peace with God, maybe get forgiven for my sins and maybe I'll get into heaven when I die. I think if you surveyed a lot of people that don't go to church, they kind of think maybe that's all there is to it. But Paul, he knows that there is a reason that God has taken hold of my life and it's more than just so I get to go to heaven when I die. He actually has a purpose for me in this life and I believe that Christ Jesus has a purpose for every single one of you here this morning. Christ Jesus has a purpose for every church, every local church. He has a purpose for. And so Paul says, my goal is to grab hold of that for which Christ Jesus grabbed hold of me. And I want to remind you all this morning that there is something that is still ahead of you, because if it was still ahead of Paul, it's still ahead of all of us. While ever you've still got breath in you, it's still ahead of you. You can still keep moving forward. You can still keep pressing on. Look, over time, your role changes as you get older in church. Sometimes you, you go from different areas and sometimes you're up the front and then you move to the back, but you're still moving forward. You're still pressing on. You've still got a role. You've still got a function. You've still got a call. You never graduate from, from serving. And so Paul says, I want to press on to grab hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. He knew what Jesus has grabbed hold of him for. Do you know what Jesus has taken hold of your life for? Do you know the purpose he has for you? Do you know the plans that he has for you? It says in, in Psalms that he knows every day of our life before they come to pass. He knows he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Did I say something funny? Oh, I thought I had a group of people laugh. Maybe I didn't do my fly up or something. No, it's all right. Okay, we're going. All right. Maybe I'm just not used to having the mosh pit kind of in front of me. Does it bounce? Like if I took a running jump, would I? Don't test it. Okay, all right. No, it's kind of cool. 
you should see my view from here. It's pretty cool. It's like the jaws of death opening, right? right? It's like hell. It's like, are there flames down there or something? It's like, all right. Yeah, yeah. If, if I'm not preaching well, some trapdoor opens up or something. It's jaws of a crocodile, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, I was reading a scripture. Let's go back to that scripture because that's not actually my main scripture. Verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Are you getting the picture? But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward towards, sorry, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Father, I pray right now that through your word you would speak to every heart. Speak to us all, Lord, giving us purpose, direction, encouragement, vision. This morning, let us hear your voice through these words in Jesus' name. few weeks ago I watched a movie with my daughters and I decided that we weren't going to watch a kids movie we were going to watch a grown-up movie and it was time that they watched one of the classic movies of all time Chariots of Fire right how do, who, who likes where we're going with this Char, who's watched Chariots of Fire okay who hasn't watched Chariots of Fire Okay, you, there's some homework for you. There's something you can put into practice straight away. Blessed are those who put the Word of God into practice. You're going to go and watch Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire is a movie set around the 1924 Olympic Games in Paris. Who knows that we've got a 2024 Olympic Games in Paris next year, 100 years after the 1924 Paris Olympic Games. And the big event... For next year's Paris Olympic Games, all eyes, there's a lot of big events, but the big event that all the eyes of the world are on is which event? The 100 metre sprint. And so, this movie is also set around that big event, the 100 metre sprint in the 1924 Olympic Games in Paris. And there was a man called Eric Liddell, who was a dedicated follower of Jesus, who after that Olympic Games gave up athletics and went and became a missionary for Jesus. And so the story follows him and another, another runner. But one of the incredible... I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't watched it, but I'm going to. So if you're going to watch it, you don't want to hear it, maybe now's the time to put your, your fingers in your ears. But he turned up to the Olympic Games to run in the 400 metres. That was his event. He... He was the world champion in the 400 metres. He could run the 100 metres, but it wasn't, he wasn't really one of the favourites. The 400 metres was, was his event. And then when he gets there, they, he realises that they've scheduled the 400 metres uh, race for a Sunday. And he had a conviction that he would never run on Sundays. That was the Lord's Day. Plus, he'd already accepted an invitation to preach at one of the churches in Paris on the Sunday that his event was on. So he goes to Paris to represent the UKs from Scotland to run in the 400 metres. He pulls out of the event and preaches in a church instead. That's how much he... That was his priorities. 
And along the way, one of the, the, his teammates who had qualified for the 100, he won a medal in the hurdles and he was so impressed by Eric Liddell giving up his dream out of his convictions. He said, I'll withdraw from the 100 metre race and you can run in my place. And so he entered the 100 metre race. And history will record that the gold medalist of the 100 metres sprint in the 1924 Paris Olympic Games was none other than Eric Liddell. A phenomenal race from a guy who was not favoured to win. But the part of the story that I wanted to talk to you about was an incident that happened in the qualifying for the 400 metres. One of the races in the lead-up to getting him picked in the national team to go to the Olympics in the 400 metres was a qualifying event, 400 metres, 50 metres into the race, he trips over and everybody else keeps going. And at that point, he has a decision to make. I can't catch them, they're too far ahead. Do I just sit here and give up? All my dreams dashed of, of qualifying for the Olympics. But he, kick, he gets himself up, makes a split-second decision, and he just starts running as fast as he can. It's a true story. It's an incredible scene in the movie. As they come round that final straight, he catches up and he passes them and he collapses over the line first place. An incredible, incredible story. Incredible scene. True story of actually what happened. That's part of what got him to the Olympics in the first place was that race where he got back up. Nothing illustrates this scripture better for me because Paul also, when he writes this, when, this encouragement about pressing on to achieve the prize and forgetting what lies behind, he's actually drawing upon athletics. And Paul does this a lot in his, in his letters. He often uses, must have been a fan of the ancient Olympics, and he uses these uh, sporting analogies all the way through his letters. And this is actually, he's drawing upon this, this sense of being in a running race when he writes this scripture. And so, for Paul, he says, if I'm going to press on to achieve what God has called me to do, and I want to say to you here this morning, if you want to grab hold of your God-ordained purpose, there's a couple of things you need to do. And Paul tells us what they are in this scripture. And there's two things. It's funny, he says, one thing I do. And then he tells us two things to do. I love how, how they do that. One thing I do. But what you find is that those two things are two halves of the one thing. There's two, sometimes it's two halves that make up the one. And this is the way that Paul says it. Because if I'm going to press on to achieve what God's got me to do, I have to, number one, forget what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. And when he writes, a lot of the time, Paul, he, he uses language that isn't a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. That's why he doesn't say, I forget what's behind. He says, forgetting what lies behind. Because who knows, you can think you've moved on from something and then something happens and you realise, wow, am I back here again? You've got to keep forgetting I'm always forgetting the disappointments of the past. I'm always moving forward from those things. You, one time, sometimes, is never enough. Of course, you make a decision that I'm moving on, but I've got to keep reminding myself that I am forgetting and those things will no longer trip me up. Forgetting what lies behind, forgetting what is behind. The only hope you have of reaching the goal is to forget 
what is behind. How can you possibly hit that finishing line tape if you're looking in the rear vision mirror at what's going on in the background? And so many people are driving, to use that analogy now, driving through life looking at the rear vision mirror. You're going to bump into things. You're not, certainly not going to be able to go as fast as you should. I remember when I was getting my, um, my first ever car, XB Falcon. Come on, can I get an amen? Canary yellow. It gets even better. Panel van. Yeah, yeah, my first ever car. And I, I just got my peas and I went and I drove to see my grandparents who lived an hour down the road at Iluka in the far north coast. I grew up in Ballina. And so I, I drove down to see my grandparents showing my car, went down... And then at night, I drove back. And I'm, I'm cruising down through Tabby Mobile. I know many of you have done that, that stretch. And it's like, I'm just hooting along. Got my peas on. So I wasn't speeding much. And so I'm just cruising along, Tabby Mobile. And all of a sudden, pitch, it's pitch black. All of a sudden, the electrics go off in the car. Like, that's kind of could happen in those old cars. Headlights, gone. Dash lights, everything. And I straight away did what you would do put my foot on the brake, I'm going about 100 k's an hour on this road, I can't see anything in front of me. I don't know if there's a corner, left, right, straight ahead, what do I do? I put my foot on the brake, all I can see is red lights out the back behind the car from the brake lights. They're the only lights that were working. How useful were those lights to me? No. No point having a dull red light behind me. I need to know what's coming up ahead of me. I'm doing 100 k's an hour. Fortunately, there was no big, sharp, sudden turn, but I ended up off the road and I stopped. It was like, oh my gosh, I could have so easily have died. Fiddled a few wires, bang, gave it a bump, headlights back on. <laughs> Cruised home at about 70 k's an hour the rest of the way home. There's no point looking behind you when you're travelling forward. The only hope you have of achieving your goal, achieving the goal that God has for your life, is if you're looking forward. You've got to forget the things that are behind. Maybe there's things that happened earlier on in the race for you. Maybe it was a long time ago. Maybe it was recently. Maybe you tripped. Maybe someone pushed you. Whatever it was that caused you to stumble, you've got a decision to make. Am I going to get back up? No one else is going to make that decision for you. Eric Liddell's lying there on the ground. He's seemingly, his hopes and dreams completely evaporating before his eyes. He says, I'm just going to get up and run, do my best. And it's amazing what can happen when you just make that decision. It's like, okay, maybe I'm not going to win anymore. Maybe I'm not going to shoot the lights out, but I'm just going to get back up and I'm going to have a go. And when you've got that attitude, it's incredible what God can do with that. But if you're thinking about the pain, if you're thinking about the missed opportunity, if you're thinking about the offence, you're just going to get stuck and it's not going to help you. This is part of the reason that Jesus teaches us to forgive. Sometimes it's forgiveness in our heart that we're holding something against someone for something that was legitimate. But if you don't forgive, you can't move forward. Forgiveness sometimes, it's not about them getting let off. It's about you being able to get back up and run. Because you cannot get back up and run unless you have released forgiveness. 
Forgiveness anchors you to the ground. Unforgiveness anchors you to the ground on the spot of where you are. So you have to forgive in order to move forward. That's why Jesus says, forgive those who sin against us. Forgiveness helps you rejoin the race. But Paul, you know, it wasn't just the negative things that had happened in the past. In fact, he comes out of a whole section where he kind of talks about all the things that he did have going for him. And for Paul, it's like, it's as much, I'm not going to rely on my former achievements. I'm going to forget those things as well. Maybe I preached a great message once 20 years ago. Well, that was awesome. Maybe you prayed for someone, they got healed 20 years. That's awesome. Maybe you served God, you did something. But that's great. But we're not resting our laurels on what happened in the past. We've got to move forward. Paul is literally in this scripture saying, mate, of all the Pharisees, I was the best Pharisee. Of all the, I, I've ticked all the boxes. When it came to religion, I ticked all the boxes. But I count that as rubbish. I'm leaving all that behind. All I want is to achieve the things that God has got for me in the future. So, let's leave it all behind. The good, the bad, the ugly. Let's fix our eyes on what is ahead. And it is literally a decision you make. It all boils down to a decision. Am I just going to get back up and rejoin this race? All right, the second, this is a two-point message. This is even better. Most, most weeks, our church gets a three-point message. So you, uh, you, get, you get off easily. Uh, actually, no, it is a three-point message. I threw a, a third point in at the end, sorry. Oh, didn't I just pick you up and drop you right then? You had your hopes up. It is a th- I'm sorry, it is a three-point message. But I'll do, I'll, here's, here's my deal. I'll do the second one really quickly. All right. The second point, straining toward what is ahead. So this is the second half of how you press on. The first half is completely forgetting what's behind because now, now that I've left what's behind, I can actually reach out towards the future because if I've got a, a foot in both or a hand in both, grabbing onto both, I'm not moving anywhere. The only way to run in a sprinting race is to be fixed on where you're going, straining towards. You see that when they cross the finish line, don't you? They're like reaching out just to get something across the line before everybody else. They're straining toward what is ahead. They're reaching. Is your posture of your heart a reaching out towards tomorrow, a reaching out towards the goal that God has got, a reaching out for God, whatever you've got for my life? What's your posture right now as a runner? Let's let's just take a moment to think about that. Maybe you are kind of, sitting down on the sidelines. Maybe you're looking at something that's happened behind. Or maybe you're, you're running. Today, every single one of us can walk out of this room like that. Because it's a decision that we make to get back up. So he says in verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on. Okay, third point. Told you that'd be a quick one. This is, this is actually something I really want to say. And this relates to the verse 15. I don't know if you've got verse 15 there. If there's a way of magically making that appear down the bottom all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things 
And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. That's Paul saying, I'm right. And if you don't agree with me, pray about it and God will show you that I'm right. <laughs> how, cool, how, how good is how good's Paul? Don't you just love Paul? He's got a bit of fight in him. And what he's saying here is that if I've still got a ways to go, all of us have got a ways to go. I haven't made it. Remember he said that over and over again. I haven't already made it. But the problem is with the world that we live in, we get used to a model that goes like this. The first slide, if we can put that up. The way of the world, activity leads to maturity, which leads to a sense of I have arrived. This is in your workplace. If you've been in the same, it's like you start here, you climb the ladder, and then eventually you get the corner office with the view. I've arrived. I'm the boss. I'm the manager. I'm the one. I'll put my feet up and tell everyone else what to do. That's the way of the world. In so many different ways. You do the work, you get the experience, you get the promotion, then eventually you make your way to the top. I've arrived. The problem is too many people have brought that thinking into the church. And if we go to the next slide, we see it as Christian activity leads to Christian maturity. I've been around church a long time, pretty mature in Christ. I've been around long enough, you know what? I'll put my feet up and let everyone else do the work. I'm not saying there's anyone here like that, of course. But we can be very, or I've done my time in kids' church. Hope you've never said those words. I've done my time serving on the front door. I've done my time doing this. I've done, that's, that's the spirit of the world. It's, I've done my time. Because Paul says, I haven't. Not that I've already obtained it. Not, so Christian activity does lead to Christian maturity. We want to grow. We want to get matured. But the way of the world will then have a sense of I've arrived. I'll make it to the top. Or, or oh, I get called pastor now. I've made it. I've arrived. I'm at the top. That's not the way of the kingdom. Let's have a look at the way of the kingdom. Now, I know it's Sunday morning. It's probably too early to be looking at crazy diagrams. But this was my best attempt at trying to explain it. Christian activity, if one look on the left, leads to Christian maturity, which leads to Christian activity which leads to Christian activity. Maturity leads to activity. It's, it's perpetual. It never leads to a sense of I have arrived. It, maturity, I've written it down the bottom there behind the guitars. Maturity in the, in the kingdom of God is manifested in mission. Maturity is manifested in mission. You look, think about how Jesus taught the disciples. Three years, he had them in the school. He said, okay, now go into all the world. Go, be a missionary. Tell people about, about me. Be a missionary in your office. Be a missionary in your school. Be a missionary in your workplace, in your university. Be a missionary in your home, in your neighborhood, in your group of friends. Maturity, the more you grow in Christ, the more we do mission, the more we do serving in the kingdom of God. The spring on the, the coil on the right was just in case you were worried about I'm just going round and round in circles here. Activity and mission. I thought, well, let's do it in 3D and have a look. That's a 3D view. You're actually, you are actually going higher. Might look from top down that you're just going round and round in circles, but you're actually growing. You are growing. You're becoming more Christ-like. You're climbing the mountain, you know, so to speak. You're actually getting closer to Jesus. It looks like sometimes you feel like you're going round in some circles.
Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au. 